Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first 2021 episode of the Behind the Line podcast, where we discuss all things related to the Super Retriever series. Hey everybody, I'm your host David Hamilton and we have a great year ahead of us, but we're starting off 2021 with the 2020 Amateur Crown Champion, Ron Anderson. This episode and all episodes of the Behind the Line podcast series are brought to you by Yukonuba, the leader in premium nutrition for sporting and working dogs. As I mentioned a moment ago, our guest here today is the 2020 Amateur Crown Champion, Ron Anderson. And similar to our recent episode with the professional 2020 champion, Luke Coor, Ron's going to walk us through this past year's crown all from his perspective. Ron, uh, I guess we can get started by saying uh, congrats, man. It's always great to win the crown, but as we'll discuss today, this one was was extra special for you and your family. So glad to have you here talking to us today and telling us just about the the highs and lows of the past year that you've had. Thank you, David. Uh, glad to be here and uh, it's fortunate, you know, to win the 2020 amateur crown championship and, um, Glad to hear with you uh, to talk about it. So you are not a one-time crown champion. You're a two-time crown champion. You won back in 2018 with your dog, Smoke. This year it was you and, and Bella. But before we, we get to breaking down that crown championship, let's go back earlier in the year, back to March, April timeframe. Uh, 2020 obviously has been a tough year for a lot of people because of COVID-19, whether that's you know sickness in their family or job loss or economic uncertainty. Uh, and your family was was certainly not immune to that. Uh, you felt the physical effects of the virus firsthand. Um, your father contracted COVID and was in the hospital for for quite a while. Can you tell us about that and just the emotional impact that that, that had on you and your family uh, early in in the spring of 2020? Yeah, David. Um, you know, back in uh, you know right when in March, right when everything was really breaking about COVID and, you know, we had just in Louisiana here would just put into a stay at home ordinance and, you know, we're all about to start working from home and so forth. My dad got, uh, got sick and, you know, we had, you know, and I started reading up on it and, you know, he had had some of the symptoms that we were reading were for COVID and, you know, and, and, you know, and he had been in, he and my mom, he and my mom had been in New Orleans a, a week or so before at a, at a at a convention and so forth, and I was like, "Look, Dad, you you know you may have this." Like, no, I don't. I don't have COVID. I don't have that. You know, that's that's not here. I'm like, "Well, okay." So then he went a few days. He got a little better. Got a little worse. And then I made him. Uh, he and I went and picked him up and took him and my mom to a clinic there in Zachary and and got him tested. And you know, well, they tested him for flu. It was negative. Tested for some. They said so. They tested him for COVID. And he said, well, we'll get back to you in a few days. I'm like, okay. So we, when that was on like, uh, I think March 13th and then on March 15th, uh, you know, he woke up and was having uh, really problems breathing. So at that point we rushed him, uh, 
to the hospital, uh, you know, had the ambulance taken to the hospital. And there from that Wednesday on March 15th, they immediately that afternoon put him on a, a ventilator. He, uh, he spent right at six weeks on a ventilator and then another two weeks, probably in ICU after that. And, uh, and then to a rehab facility and was sent home on June the 6th, but it was some, uh, some trying times there for us, for sure. You know, the numbers in our country are staggering. Over 400,000 people have been diagnosed with COVID. Yet I still know plenty of people that say, you know, I, I don't know anybody that's had it. So for, for you, as someone who not only knew someone that had it, but someone very close to you, your father, and who had it very early on, you know, back in March, just how how stressful is that situation when your family members in the hospital for, for two months straight or, or three months straight and they're on a ventilator and you don't know if they're going to even make it out alive? Yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's it's very stressful because at the time we knew very little about it. Um, once they really took him in, you know, we once, you know, they never let us in the hospital. We didn't really get to see him. So, uh, you know, you never really got to that putting the, you know, tell him goodbye, good luck. I love you. Anything like that. It was we're putting him on a ventilator and, you know, it was uh you know, so you sat around and waited to hear from the doctors and, you know, every every now and then they let you do a uh, a FaceTime visit where, you know, they'd call in and they could talk to your mom. But, the you know, but my dad the whole time was he was he was unconscious. So, you know, you talked to him a lot, but that was, you know, they'd set the uh, I guess the iPad up or whatever they had on their end and you'd be on your phone and you you would talk to him and, you know, so forth. But he was he was unconscious on the ventilator. He didn't really react. And this is something that went on for a long time. And as you know, uh, most know that, you know, my dad, you know, he, he was president of Louisiana Farm Bureau at the time and just announced his retirement like three weeks before then. So it was, it was a lot going on. And, you know, we, and I'll say the, through the whole experience, granted it was rough on our family and it was a lot to go through. You know, we were, humbled to say the least about the amount of uh ongoing support that we received because after we really figured out what was going on you know we made a facebook post about it and the amount of feedback we got from people throughout this country as far as you know uh prayers well wishes help um was something to be amazed by to say the least and you know the outgoing support that i received from the dog community out there in which i say community and their friends and really kind of feel like dog family at this point because you you know they was it was unbelievable amount of messages phone calls text messages as far as you know can we help you with this let me do that praying for you and you know and i, I will tell you that uh you know we we got several phone calls throughout that period when he was there and one saturday morning it's like look we've done all we can do. It's a, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's in God's hands now. And, you know, at that point, you know, we, and, and he made it through, but they was, they, you know, he had some rough patches in there where it wasn't so good. And that's, I definitely am a firm believer that, you know, my, my dad has made it through this and come out the other side of this, you know, one modern medicine and, uh, you know, and, and a lot, the other being all the prayers that, were sent up for him through for everybody from everybody throughout the country. And we are, will be forever in everyone's debt for that, you know, and very appreciative. There's no way we can pay everybody back for every, all the support and everything we've gotten from them. Yeah. It's great to hear that your father's now, now doing better. And that, and like you said, that you had such a great support system of your, of your friends, your family, your, your colleagues at work, your, your even the SRS community. Um, you and I, when we had talked before, you had said that, uh, obviously because your father's in the hospital, you had to help out around his farm, uh, with your mother. So you were, you know, still trying to do your normal life, your normal full-time job. Plus you're trying to do some of the things that he normally would take care of while he's in the hospital. So you were a pretty busy guy there. Not that you're not normal normally, but for, for a time period there, you were a super busy guy and, and didn't have any leisure time to maybe go out and train with your dog. Can you just kind of tell us, you know, how long you had to go with, with, without training or, or, you know, how seldom you were able to train simply because you were, you know, going back and forth to the hospital or helping your mother out with something or doing some stuff around the farm. Just, you know, how long did you have to go 
with putting dog training kind of on the back shelf because there were there were more important things like helping take care of your family. Well, and, and, and you know, to, to back up a little bit, yeah, you know, at that time, I was fortunate because we started working from home for work and I was able and, and what I would do. And like I said, my dad is a beef cattle farmer in Ethel. So I had his responsibilities as well as mine and well as family responsibilities. So I would, you know, kind of try to work it out to where I would do all my you know, bank work and so forth and, and try to do all uh, my calls and stuff in the morning, go to my dad's place in the afternoons, uh, you know, do what needs to be done around there, help my mom around the farm, you know, clip pasture, cut hay, do what needed to be done. And then, you know, uh, and, and then we'd get some time that, and I'd always bring my dogs, you know, just in case, because to be quite honest with you, the time that I spend with my dogs, uh, has kind of always been, but really at that point, my little time break from, from reality and what's going on in the world, I guess, because it's, it's, I just kind of focus in and do that. And, and what I would do, I mean, I don't know, it went, it went weeks and, and, you know, at least without doing it because, you know, nobody was really training and, 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 and I didn't really have time, but there were times, you know, because my kids were out of school and myself and uh, Allie Grace would, you know, every now and then we get caught up and have a little, 30, 40 minutes for dark or something, you know, I, we would, we would go out and just hand throw a few ATBs or, you know, and, and, and throw a few, throw a few marks, one, a few blinds. And, and that's really kind of all we did is just trying to, trying to keep them in shape a little bit and do a little bit here and there uh, when there was time. But the time that we did it, it was, it was a good break from, from reality, you know, for the first ongoing to the first few months he was, he was in the hospital for sure. Oh, I'm sure. I can only imagine that that's it's the only time you can kind of escape the reality of what's going on. You just get out there and, and have some fun with your dogs. Um, when were you actually finally able to get back out there and, and start competing again? I um, ran – Amy River was able – I think it was the first SRS event after a lot of the ones that were canceled were – I think it was toward the end of May. And at that point, my dad had kind of really, you know, turned the corner, I guess, and was getting better. So was able to get some training in, not a lot, but get some training in and uh, was fortunate enough to, at that point, get in and do a little more training with the groups. I was able to train with, you know, uh, my good friend, Chuck McCall and his training group some, and, and then, you know, Casey Parker and I and Dr. Bob and I were trained to look some, you know, getting ready for that. But in May is when we ran our first, our first, uh, SRS at a meat river. And, you know, our entered, uh, and it was different, you know, of course, but, uh, we, we were able to run and I ran smoke in the open side of it and in our Bella on the amateur side. And we ended up, you know, I finished fourth in the open with, with, with smoke and fifth with, Bella in the amateur side. And that was, I guess, toward the end of May. As the, as the summer kind of goes on, you're, you're, you know, hopefully being able to get out there a little bit more, like you said, training with, with Chuck and Casey and Dr. Bob and those guys. Now you're heading into the crown and it's, it's the fall. Yeah. You haven't had the typical year that you've had in, in any way in personal life and in training your dogs or anything. So you're, you're headed to the crown championship. You've got two dogs in the competition. You've, you've got smoke and Bella there. Uh, you feeling pretty good heading into that weekend? Or are you nervous because you, you didn't get to compete as much in 2020 as you had in years past? Or what was kind of going into your mind as you headed down to Huntsville? Well, and, and to back up, I, mean, I, was, I felt, one, <laughs> I was real fortunate this year that with everything that went on that, you know, Smoke, of course, won in 18, so he was a lifetime qualifier. And Beth Bella placed uh, second in the 2019 uh, crown, so she qualified automatically for this year. So, that took a lot of stress out of, you know, trying to get them qualified. So I didn't have to try to run many events, but uh, going into this year, going into the crown, I mean, it's, I say luck would have it, you know, uh, things kind of slowed down a little bit. My dad came home from his uh, second trip at the hospital and was, was getting better. And we had wrapped up, we'd finished all the hay cutting, we'd bailed hay, we sold the, the calves for the year. So, some time kind of opened up. So I got back into a kind of a normal training regiment, probably about six weeks before the crown. Uh, and, and, and really was able to, to really kind of focus in on that. Uh, 
so it was good to get get back and and going at it. But but going into the going into Huntsville, I mean, I really I really didn't know. I do know that uh, as far as where my dogs were, I do know that you know Amy River had another event uh, at the end of August, and I didn't run Bella in that. I didn't enter her because I hadn't trained much, and you know I didn't. She was qualified, so I was like, well, you know. But but when we got there to Amy Rivers, they didn't have a test dog, so it's like, well, I'll let Matt run uh, Bella in the in the first as a test dog for the first and second series and and i tell you this uh coming out of those two she would she would have been winning probably on both sides going into the last series which she didn't run the last series they had a test dog for it but she but what i learned by that is like okay you know bella's 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 nine years old now so she she's not a whole lot i can teach her i just need to try not to overtrain her or do too much between now and the crown because she she can do well. I just got to do enough just to try to walk that line to keep her in a, keep her in good enough shape and not push her too hard so that she'll be, you know, ready. I'm sure that's reassuring. Yeah, for sure. To know that you're, that your dog's mentally ready, your dog's physically ready. And like you said, after years and years of training, she knows what's coming up. Let's talk about the crown, man. Y'all got down to, to Huntsville. Um, I was not able to be there, but I, I saw it on a live stream. That weather looked nasty. Uh, looked like it was raining a lot of the week. The wind was blowing. It was mud everywhere. How much of a challenge was that for for you and the other handlers, especially the first couple of days? The first couple of days, man, it was a um, it was a different event than than normal because did I say a different event, a different first series because we started off, you know, running from the boat, and that's usually something you you see later in you know before you get in the boat and do all that it's usually you know a fourth or fifth series so this year was a little different which i understand why they did it It was fine to mix it up but it and and so okay now you put your running from the boat now it's raining on and off and it was muddy and it was nasty and um it was it was a challenging setup before you had bad weather and 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 you know and what you wanted to at that point is you didn't want to, you know, a lot of people say, all right, man, good luck there. It's like, well, you, you didn't want to have necessarily need good luck in that first series. You just want to avoid the bad luck. You just wanted to be able to hopefully run when it wasn't pouring down rain and the wind wasn't blowing so that, you know, it didn't make conditions even harder to try to compete, you know, to try to complete the already difficult test. And, you know, fortunate for actually, you know, both my dogs and, and Bella really is like, you know, we, we were fortunate to, to run in a, uh, in a time frame when, when the conditions were as good as they were for anyone else those first couple of days. How much experience does your, do your dogs have coming from a boat? Cause I know depending on, you know, some people that they might have a field trial dog or they might have a dog that they don't actually, they just compete with. They don't actually hunt with. And others may have a dog that's, that's regularly in, in a, any situation. So, I mean, how did your dogs react to having to, to run the test from that XL boat? I think they reacted fine. Now, do I, you know, they've hunted and been in boats before. Not a lot. Do I have, I put them in boats and kind of worked out of it. But I think a lot of the things were, that was the control factor and, you know, being dog comfortable enough to take the cast and get the proper cast on a remote position out the boat because that's what the whole remote position with you being you know a distance away from the dog complicated things a little bit more because you know of course the dog's facing looking at the marks that are coming out and then you're like okay now you you know i'm off those two marks and you need to gain control and get that right or actually in that sense since you really want that left cast off the bow of the boat and you really need the dog to go off the bow of the boat and kind of go down that left hand side so it was really it was really key to to getting them to 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 cast, take the right cast, and get online. Uh, and if not, you know, the main thing is get them out the boat, but then get them online as quick as you could toward that blind and pass that 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 poison bird. And how'd you think your dogs did in series one? Um, Smoke did not. He did okay. He was really really wanted that that poison bird that was sitting out there, uh, floating that that you know that flasher but was able to get him off of it and, and finished okay. Bella did as what Bella does. She did exactly what I asked her to do. She cast off of it, took some cast, ran a really good blind. Um, and, and she, 
finished didn't finish it quite like I wanted to, but we, you know, had a little few whistles at the end more than I wanted to. But she ended up in, you know, and looking back at right, and she had forty nine points, and you know, and where you where you really want to be in my mind is that you know you won't want to be you don't necessarily have to be first, but you don't want to be at the end. You just want to be in the middle of where the scores are. So she ended up ended up in fourth place at the end of it, and and, and so I was I was satisfied with where she was, for sure. Typical with the crown, wanting to find the most versatile dog. So, so typically, as as we change from one series to the next, sometimes it can be polar opposite. So we go from that mud test in series one to a big field trial in series two. Uh, just talk us a little bit for maybe those people that didn't see it, what the judges were looking for, and, and how your dogs performed in, in series two. Series two was a, um, like I said, a big field trial, and it was a little different than most that we run because you had two big retired birds and the retired birds were both in the middle. So it was a quad with the two retired birds in the middle and then uh, two standouts on the right and the left-hand side. Uh, and it was big and it was real big. And, um, and what we found real, real quick, like is that dogs had because of the wind and just completely different factors from, uh, from the first series, you know, that we started on Wednesday when we got over there on Thursday afternoon, it was sunny and windy. And w- what you found real quick was that dogs had a lot of trouble hearing you, especially on that, uh, the long, the long retired bird up the middle. If you had to handle, they, they had trouble hearing you and even sometimes seeing you. So you, it, you had to do, uh, you had to remember the birds and you had to mark them and you, they, they needed to get there and figure it out pretty much on their own or otherwise you're in a lot of trouble. And, and, you know, so I, I ran smoke that afternoon and smoke was doing real well. You know, we picked up the two outside standouts, picked up the, the right hand retired, sent him for the, 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 the middle one uh, and long retired. And he, he got out there actually made a really, took a really good line, just missed the bird started to hunt and then kind of got out of the area. So I'm like, okay, he's close. Let me just stop quick whistle well blew the whistle and he couldn't hear it so uh you know he able was able to he actually stayed around there and and popped in the area and was able to coming back to it and you know and then you know we moved on from there so uh so it was a long time because you know smoke ran the first day and he was because he was pretty way back in the field so i had all the way so that was thursday afternoon or that he ran. So I didn't run Bella till the, the following morning. So I, I, we were there and, and, and I do um, remember that, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay. Uh, And I'm just sitting there watching these dogs after dogs, great dogs, DNF and DQ. And uh, and I think back Bella was the second day running. She didn't run there until, until I think Saturday morning, actually. So we were there. So she had a, had a couple of days, and I do remember that 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 day before. It was like okay, in the morning, that Friday morning, when they started running again. That dogs did better in the morning; they could hear better, they could see better than they were the the day before, in the afternoon. So, uh, which was good. So, and then Bella was up that morning, and 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 then I think that uh, so she she went out, saw the birds well, uh, got her to you know, and and the field trial is not her that big one's not, not her, her best event, but she'll handle, you know? So I knew that I could get her there. If she could hear the whistles. So we went out, uh, picked up the two standouts, went for the, she won, went for the long one, uh, had her in a good position, couple casts there, blew my, you know, got to that point where I had to handle. And I was like, okay, here we go. We're going to blow the whistle and, and go from there and blew the whistle. She stopped couple casts, got her to the bird, came back, had to handle on the other, uh, retired because i don't really think she got a good view of it but then handled her there pretty quick and you know can't got a 67 and was was came out of there in third place and was really really proud of where we were because that was a pretty good run considering all the dogs that were really good dogs that were, were were you know dnf and then not finishing the test to start with sitting pretty good with bella heading out of, out of series two into series three series three is a hunt test How'd she perform there, and and how'd you feel coming out of out of series three, knowing that there's there's two more series to go? Series three, I knew there'd be a hunt test, and and we walked there and looked at it. You know, I was like, 
this was um, this was right up right up her alley. I mean, it was it was a HRC hunt test. You sit on the sit in the chair. They throw three marks. You you know them off those three. Then you 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 kick them off for a blind. And there's an in route diversion, which is a poison bird in route. Is basically what it is. You kick the dog off, and after they got twenty or so yards away from you, a guy in the field, standing the field shot and threw a flasher. And you had to continue on. You had to ignore it and continue on with your blind. And she, um, you know, like I said, she's very schooled, and we've done that. And you know, when I when I was walking up there at looking at the test dog, I'm like, okay, she can do this, and she can really ignore that because she's seen it enough, and will sometimes just ignore that. And, and sure enough, she did. She ignored it, just glanced at it, kept on going, took her kept her line. A couple whistles later, picked up the. Uh, Picked up the blind, made it through the slot, didn't get any point deductions for missing the log. Came back uh, and then had a, had a handle on the middle bird, which was probably some of my fault. I may have not really got her lined up like I wanted to, but handled on it and then was come back and really had to uh, focus on the last two birds to be picked up because they had, you know, multiple points growing on, on, on March. You know, you the one, was, I think they were 20 points per additional mark you had to handle on which came back picked the other two marks up clean and we moved out of there with a 43 and and that put us in that put us in first place so i was really feeling good and and had a pretty good pretty good lead at that point but uh but you know no lead is insurmountable in 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 the srs game if you've played it long enough but but felt good about where we were we're chatting with Ron Anderson, the 2020 SRS Amateur Crown Champion. Ron, a lot more I want to cover with you, including, you know, Series 4, Series 5, and then what it felt like to win. But first, let's take a quick moment to, to thank our sponsor, Yukonuba. Sporting dogs give us everything we can ask for, and then some. Their nutrition should do the same. You can find out more information about Yukonuba at yukonubasportingdog.com or follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Dog. Here with Ron Anderson. Ron, just telling us there about Series three, the the hunt test there, he comes out of series three in first place with a pretty good lead, like you just said, but nothing's insurmountable in the SRS. So you you head to series four, you, you get there, the, the judges are showing you the, the course. Um, they send out a test dog, and, and before you run, what are you thinking when you're watching that test dog and listen to the judges for what they're looking for in, in series four, and how are you thinking at that point you're going to approach that that test with Bella? Well, I knew series four would probably be another field trial series of some sort. And, uh, and, and, and I knew it was Sunday morning. So we had to get two series runs. I was like, man, they could really throw a, a long blind in here or, or something like that. It's, you know, poison bird blind tight something, but you know, but so when we, when I got there that morning and then it was, it, it saw what it was, which it kind of was, I was thinking it might've been, you know, it was a little, different and longer of course but you know they they had uh it was a it was a double but the first with the standout gun would just shoot didn't throw and then he had a bird to your left that would shoot and throw a poison bird and you would know him off that poison bird and run a 411 yard landline past the poison bird and come to find out you know they said it was a poison bird but it's actually multiple poison birds the gunner was throwing to a pile of four or five uh, flashers that were there. So the test dog ran and, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, this, this is, this is right up, right up Bella's alley because, you know, Bella's strength is definitely, you know, control. She, you can, you can, she runs great blinds, always has. And it's like, I can, I can keep her off that poison bird and then we can do well here, but, but who knows, you know, so dogs are going through it. Uh, she and I get there. We're up, we, we, we run, we, we got her, I got her in the corridor because there's a tight corridor. You got to keep them in and, you know, she's getting close to the poison bird. I'm just watching her and she just kind of looks over at the group of poison birds and, uh, keeps on going. And, you know, we, we ended up finishing that, that test with a 14, which is, uh, at that, that point was the lowest score period, but was also, but it was, you know, it had some, some open dogs that had some lower runs after hers, but 14 and, and that was by far the best uh, amateur run at it. And we were sitting really good uh, going into the last series. I think we had like a 90, 96 point lead on the second dog at that point. So, uh, 
So we were in a really good spot going into the last series, which, uh, you know, was was probably thinking it's going to be some kind of a hunt savvy, something a lot busy going on. But, you know, but but we would we would have to see what the test star was or what the test was. But we we're in a good, really good spot going into the last series for sure. And your your assumption was right. Series five was a was a hunt savvy test. But but what's going through your mind when you're leading and you have that big of a lead? Because when you're when you're chasing someone, I imagine it's okay. I got to I got to make sure I, I nail this. Got to make sure I'm perfect. Or or even if you're in the lead, but you're only up by, you know, 10 points. But to your to, to the point you made a minute ago, you were up by 90 some odd points heading into that final series. So. Are you going in with just a, hey, don't screw this up? I mean, are you playing it safe, or are you still playing it how, how you'd normally play it if you were behind or if you were just narrowly in the lead? And that was the worst part about that because we had about, um, you know, where the the, the, the the crown before, you know, we had a night off to think about it, and I had a little lead with smoke going in in 18. But, you know, you really didn't – you had a whole night, which is I don't know if it's good or bad. But this one you only had a couple hours, and – between tests and, and series and I'm, you know, I'm really thinking at all is like, okay, you can't exactly what you said, you know, don't, don't screw this up. How do you not screw this up, Ron? You know, you got a lot of lead to play with. You get to watch the dogs in front of you run. Uh, of course you don't know their scores, but you can kind of in the last series, but you can kind of figure out where they are and, you know, just, just don't screw it up. So I was really debating on and thinking about, you know, how to handle it and how to attack it because um, my mentality is and has always really been is is to attack, you know, always do the best you can in every series, not lay up, do what you got to do, try to win and, and, you know, and try to keep from, you know, anybody from behind you catching you or, or anybody or catch the people that may be in front of you. And this was a different scenario. So I debated over that and I thought about it and I thought about it. And then finally, you know, it's like, look, I'm not going to do anything different than I've done this entire time. I'm going to do the same thing I've always done with Bella. I mean, Bella's a very consistent dog. She's not going to make big mistakes. She never does. She's always under control. I'm just going to run our test, and we're going to just just take it as it comes. If I have to handle on the mark, I'll handle on the mark. If I, you know, I but I felt good about when we sat there and they threw the, you know, it was the double double. It was the delayed double. They threw one set and then the other set then you could pick up one short bird and then you had to run a blind and they were big faults for if you picked up one of the poison bird or picked up the poison bird on the blind so and it was the left hand was like you know i'm not going to worry about that i'm I'm gonna let her pick up the go bird the last bird down get some momentum going and then we're just going to run past that other poison bird run our blind and go from there and you know and we did i mean she picked up the go bird uh and then came back. I noted her off the other one, ran the blind, hit the slots, uh, kept her out of trouble on the blind, on the long water blind, picked it up, came back, picked up the other short uh, short bird on the left, and then picked up the, the right side of the of the first double. And then then we had the uh, the last bird, which is the middle bird up the middle, and I sent her for it. And uh, she got, and this is the only time I, probably uh laid up a little bit because i knew where we were and all we had to do at this point was pick that mark up and run one more blind and and i felt pretty good about us doing that so she got close to the bird stopped her put her on the stopped her real quick on the whistle gave her one little cast to the bird uh and and then came back and ran the other blind and 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 we were done uh hey i love it man scared money don't make money i like it don't lay up you went for it i appreciate that i can always appreciate someone who, who goes for it uh, let's bring it back full circle. We started the episode off uh, talking about your dad and his uh, couple months long battle there with COVID being in the hospital. Uh, you had even told us that uh, obviously with him being unconscious uh, for a lot of that time, it was, it was you talking to him, even if he, you know, couldn't hear you when he was, was in a medically induced coma. But uh, for those that may not know, Bella is owned by your dad. So how special of a moment is it for you when you won the crown with a dog owned by your dad after the year that your family and him specifically have been through and, and, you know, what was it like when you, when you finally were able to talk to him and tell him, Hey dad, we won me and Bella, we went out there and we got it done. And, and this time when you were able to talk to him, he was able to, you know, talk back to you. And I'm sure probably told you he was proud of the two of y'all, but just, just tell us how special of a moment that was when you were named the winner of the 2020 crown with, uh, with your father's dog. It was, um, 
it was real to say the least. Um, you know, I, I knew when we walked off the line that we had won um, because I knew we didn't do anything that uh, that was going to let I mean, we didn't have enough faults for anybody else to catch us. So, you know, I walked off that line and, you know, it really hadn't hit me then. You know, I got a got a big hug from my good friend and best friend, Casey, who was there competing with his dog in the finals and then kind of just went back to the truck and sat on the tailgate with Bella. And, and you know, and the first person I called was my dad. Uh, and, and, you know, to 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 tell him, you know, congratulations, you know, look what, you know, look what we did with Bella and, uh, and, and, you know, and, and, you know, and true to his character, all he really wanted to do was congratulate me and thank me and, uh, you know, and tell him how proud he was of me for winning with Bella, you know? So it was, uh, it was special. It was very special. It meant a lot. I'm sure, especially to, for it to happen the, the same year, right? Not like when it was Bella in 2021 after 2020. It kind of seems like it was meant to be one of those like, you know, Correct. Hollywood movies where it's like your father got sick and the same year your dog went, you win with his dog. Um, you had also told me when we were chatting before, just I think you, you, you touched on it a little bit earlier, but maybe we can come back to it just so those guys, if they're listening to this, know what, what they meant to you this past year. But some of those guys like Casey, um, like Dr. Bob, you know, different guys that you were, you were training with over the years, but this past year, they've especially been there for you and your family. Uh, if you just want to take a minute to kind of just talk about your, your fellow SRS competitors that were, that were there for you at, in a really trying time for you. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was learned a lot this year and learned to be very appreciative of the, of the friends that the friends and family, of course, that you have, but the friends that were there for me, you know, cause, uh, you know, uh, not, not only, you know, Casey and I, people who know us know that we, we've, we've been friends for, since we were in, you know, we went to the same pre-K together. We've been friends since we were four. So not, you know, we're college roommates and now train dogs together and the whole nine yards and run the SRS. But, you know, Casey was there and very helpful, not only with the dogs, but, you know, Casey helped around the farm. He helped, you know, rake hay, bale hay, move hay and, and pin cows and so forth like that, as well as, you know, you know, and Dr. Bob and them, and, and of course, helping. And, you know, Dr. Bob was always there to call on and ask medical questions of during this time, you know, and help try to break it down for us some. And, you know, and, and you know, and, and, and Chuck McCall and his whole training group, I mean, those guys and, you know, Chuck, Chuck is always, you know, he he's run Bella and the Grand and done things, but he and I have been friends and have trained together for over 20 years now. And, you know, they, they, they you know, they trained a good bit on my, my parents' farm. And, you know, those, those guys were there and, and helped me train, of course, and helped me get ready. And, and, and they're always there to support and help. And even, you know, people in the, the training group, you know, David Lawrence and the whole Schumach training group, David sprayed fence rows. And, uh, and they all helped around things around the house, helping move plants in and out and, and do things that my mom needed help with. Those guys have really all those guys have really been been there and, and, and helpful this year. And I can't off that. While we're uh, telling people how much they mean to us, let's talk about that gracious wife of yours. Um, you were telling me, and I, I kind of giggled about it. Um, the crown is, is, as I understand it, is the same weekend every year as your anniversary. And yet your wife lets you go out of town and compete in this uh, this game that you love. So uh, I imagine that, that that's not always her preference, but it sounds like she's on board with uh, with you competing in the SRS and the years that you qualify for the crown, being okay with uh, you being out of town. And I guess y'all celebrate your anniversary when you get back home, right? We do, or we'll celebrate either before or when we get back home. But like I said, we've been married uh, 21 years now. And, you know, we were married on the 30th of October. So like you said, if you follow the crown other than uh, a couple of years, and then last year when it's in Natchez, that it's always the last week of October. So I've, uh, this was my uh, seventh consecutive uh, crown or eighth consecutive crown, I'm sorry, to run in. So that means I've been away for seven anniversaries. So, um, and I'm very appreciative of that, you know, and she's very understanding at most times about it. Uh, like she did not her favorite thing in the world, but she does understand that, you know, my, that that's a, it's a, a goal of mine. It's something I love to do. And, uh, 
you know, I call it when we talk about dog training and the SRS and so forth. And she says, it's a, you know, I said, you know, it's just my, my hobby, you know, it's what I love to do. And she's, and, and she'll quickly say that it's not really a hobby. It's an obsession of mine. And she's probably right to an extent of that. And, you know, so I'm very appreciative of that. And, and for my family, you know, we have three girls, one, uh, Anna Kate, Allie Grace and Andy Lynn, and they've all helped me. And Andy's even eight have all helped me throughout the years as far as throw birds and throw, you know, uh, throw marks for me when necessary to throw ATBs and, 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 you know, and they've always helped with the dogs and love the dogs. So I'm very, very appreciative of that. No full family affair. Hey, question for you, for you specifically, mm-hmm. does it validate to you that you've won a second time? Not that the first one doesn't matter. Um, and not saying the first one's luck, but does it, does it give you extra validation to say, Hey, I didn't just do it once. I did it twice. It does because it shows that the the first time, which I knew wasn't uh, a fluke, but I will tell you that uh, winning it once only puts more pressure on you because you can kind of fly under the radar and, you know, this, that, and the other, but, but once you win it, you, you know, you've, you've got a target on your back, you know, is the way I look at it. It may not be, but the way that it, it puts more pressure on me personally, because now it feels like, you know, by winning it the second time proves, of course, it wasn't a fluke, but now it's even more pressure to, to continuously get back there and do it again. And, uh, and, you know, and, and, you know, and it was, it's, and it's tough. I mean, it's not, I'm unfortunate, you know, I, I've, I've had some good dogs and, and, you know, like I said, uh, I've qualified, I've run eight crowns. Uh, this is Bella's seventh consecutive crown to run, uh, to, to, to qualify for and, and compete in, you know, and, um, and it, and it take a minute, I guess, uh, some, some stats that I kind of came up on her because, you know, Bella just, just kind of flies under the radar. You know, I've, I own Boomer was my first dog. who was a big, you know, go getter, fire breathing dragon. And then, you know, I had Bella w- with him and then, then I got smoke and, you know, smoke is smoke's a great dog. Smoke's a great marking dog. And he does, he, he does really, really good things. And, uh, you know, but he's flashy and, you know, and he, he looks good, but, but, you know, sometimes speed kills and, you know, and, and Bella is just always been that real, and it meant a lot this second go around, you know, to say that, you know, the first, which crown, you know, meant more. The second one meant a lot, probably meant more, just not only was because she was my dad's dog and everything that's going through, but also that Bella was, was, was our puppy. You know, we raised Bella, we've had Bella, we got, Bella from uh, a litter out of that out of Chuck McCall's dog Marie, and we got her, and she we've had her since she was seven weeks old, and you know we've she everything we've done has been done on on my family's property. Ninety nine percent of the of all her training is is taking place in the, the property in Ethel, and you know, and she's uh, you know she's a grand champion, master hunter, two master national passes, and but she just always is not flashy. She just gets the job done, and. One thing I, I learned um, that, I, that I didn't know really is that in September of this year, they had a, a event in Georgia that, that Stephen and uh, Durrance and them put on on their place. And uh, they had a trivia question what they had there. And it's like, okay, name the top three uh, all-time SRS dogs with the most points, you know. And I'm, I saw the trivia question. I didn't know the answer. You know, I thought of a few that could be there. Well, when uh, the answer came out, it was actually uh, Jack was first, Jeter was second, and Bella was third. I'm like, really? So I started going through and calculating some of her scores and so forth and uh, come to find out, you know, I kind of little, and I knew this, but I never really put pen to paper and, and, and looked at the numbers. And since then, Shannon has come out with them, but she's, she's run, um, in her career, she ran her first event when she was 18 months old. She's run 16 SRS events. She's finished 13 of them. One of them, the only DNF she had was the first one she ran when she was basically 18 months old. Uh, she's finished 13, so she's had two that she just didn't make the top six. But of those 13 events, she's got uh, one. She's got three first place wins. Two five second places, 
three third places, a fifth place, a sixth place, a crown second, and a crown first. So that gives her a total of 63 SRS points. So now I'm pretty sure she's uh, ahead of Jeter. I don't know that for a fact, but I think she's only in second place behind Jack. So that's 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 quite an accomplishment for uh, uh, for her. She's very 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 consistent dog. Every time you can be in that company with with Jack and Jeter, you're, you're doing something right. Um, what's the future hold for you? Mentioned she's run in the Crown seven straight years. She's nine years old. Uh, what do you have any plans running her in 2021? Uh, same thing with Smoke. Same question. What's what's the future hold for you and, and both dogs when it comes to competing and in, in the year ahead? Um, I'm going to play it by ear. I, I'm, I will probably, you know, they're both qualified now for next year. I will, I, I will run her. I, I will probably as a goal now, if I can figure out how far we are behind Jack, try to figure out, you know, what we need to do. Cause I may try to, you know, just kind of take it as she goes, run her in a few events, see how she does. I'm not going to push her real hard. Uh, hopefully if she stays healthy and, She's got the desire to. We're gonna we're gonna try the crown again one more time in and you know in twenty twenty one. But you know, I go my goal for her is like I know I'll run uh my local club, Amy River has one get an SRS scheduled for May, so I'll I will definitely run her in that one and uh, and maybe a few other ones just to kind of see where we are. And with Smoke, uh Smoke's one definitely run some. He will probably continue to compete on the uh, in the open side, he is, uh, you know, he's got the amateur title and amateur crown champion title. So I, I, I set a goal for him to try to get to just the, the, the SRS open title. And, you know, he's, he's had at random enough. He's got enough points. He's got several fourth and fifth place finishes. I just need to get a win. So I will, uh, I will hopefully run him in some, if not, uh, you know, and, and, and if I don't run him in some, I will probably send him with my, good friend that we've mentioned uh chuck mccall and let him run him in a few events and then of course we'll we'll get ready and and, and run the crown um in the fall and you know i have a young young pup i kept a, a puppy out of a red bella in 2019 so i have a an 18 month old that may try to run him in an event later in the year or not but he will be the the next one that is in line to uh to replace his mom at some point What's that little guy's name so we can keep an eye on him? Well, his name is Rip, and, and little he is not. He's about <laughs> pounds, so he's he's a big dog. So he's uh, and actually we're gonna open this this coming weekend. I, we're gonna have our first debut, and I'm gonna run him in a derby here in South Louisiana. So we'll see how that goes. It'll be his first event to run. Well, good luck to you and Rip. Hey, before we let you go, do like we always do with this podcast. We end with the final five questions. Uh, four of them are, uh, ones that we've had before the fifth one, since we switched things up, new year, new question, uh, rapid fire questions. I ask quick question. First answer comes to your head. Number one, what is something about you? Most people do not know. I, most people do not know is that in probably 2001, uh, there was the a governor in Louisiana named Mike Foster. Mike Foster was a big duck hunter. At the time, my dad, uh, it still is, was, was knew Mike Foster from, uh, from Farm Bureau and other things. And they were at a, a, a meeting and Mike Foster started talking about this new puppy that he had won or was given to him, this chocolate lab puppy. And then they got off on the tangent that, you know, my son trains a few, has trains a few dogs. So I trained Governor Mike Foster's dog. Uh, so actually my dad volunteered me, volunteered me to train Mike Foster's dog. So and that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and he was not the best dog I've ever trained, but he was certainly happy with him. He made him a good duck dog. And, uh, he actually, Mike Foster passed away earlier this year, but that dog, can, and it was kind of neat after the fact that, you know, um, I, I got a call from from the governor's office asking from Mike Foster himself wanted to know, did I want to come to lunch and look at this dog he had? And I did. And I uh, took him home with me that day and trained him. And he was in the back of the governor's mansion as he had a little fence built and where the dog lived. And, you know, fast forward 18 months later, when he's starting to hunt the dog, I would get these phone calls randomly from the governor 
asking questions about his dog and what they were doing or if he had any, you know, if he had any issues or, you know, riding on the four wheeler, how to teach him to get on and off, things like that. And it was pretty neat for a while there to get calls from the governor to talk about his, his dog that I had trained. Yeah, it is neat. And I'm glad it worked out for you. So you stayed off some kind of like list, you know, if it hadn't gone well with the dog, (laughs) we might not have heard about Ron for a while. What happened to that Ron guy? Right. So I'm glad it it worked out. When I say retriever, who's the first dog that comes to mind and why? Um, FC, AFC lanes. Let's get ready to rumble. Ali, who was, uh, who is owned by Bobby Lane or was owned by Bobby Lane. He also passed away this past uh, year in the last year. And I think was inducted to the field trial hall of fame. He, this year as well, he is the sire of both Bella and smoke. And when I had Boomer, I was coming up, started running a few field trials and I ran an amateur and several of them. And that's when, uh, Ollie was in his heyday. They were about the same age. They were both about seven at the time, six or seven. And they were, uh, and got the pleasure to, the, the, to run behind him a few times and see him run. And it was, he was amazing to watch. He was by far the best dog in the field that day when I was watched him run those several, several events. And I think he went on to have 209 all age points. And that is something that is, really really un, it's a very big accomplishment in this day and age in the dog world for sure in the field trial world your two apples didn't fall far from the tree both of them being crown champions with smoke and bella there question three if you had to describe yourself in one word what would it be uh driven it's a good one i like it what profession other than your own would you like to attempt probably i did have to be dog training all righty. Yeah. Hey, might not go from amateur to pro, right? Uh, <laughs> question number five. You have a weekend to yourself. No dog games to compete in. Nothing from work. No honey-do list like cut the grass from your wife. How are you spending that free time? Training. If I've got a free weekend with nothing going on and uh, no honey-do's, I'm spending that time with my dogs training, probably running some big watermarks somewhere. All right. Great answer and a great way for us to end this run. Thank you for the last hour of your time. We really appreciate it. Everybody, Ron Anderson, the 2020 SRS crown amateur champion. He was also the 2018 champion and we'll see in the fall if he can be the 2021 champion. No pressure on you, Ron. Thanks for, thanks for chatting with us today, man. No pressure at all. All right. Thank you, David. Uh,